Hello and welcome to What Do You Reckon? With um, Al Politico. Cut me off there. Sorry, I just I, have a really bad me. habit. <laughs> I just can't stop interrupting. I'm trying. I'm I'm Mike Advocate. And I'm Al Politico. I hope you can hear me out there. <laughs> I think I think we're fine. Okay, so uh, what we're going to talk about this week is whether or not the Tory government is in crisis. Not just the Tory government. Okay. Uh, I think what we're talking about is, is the Conservative Party in crisis? Okay. And I think I, I wanted to have a little discussion about this just because I, I think the Conservative Party is in a massive crisis. Just, n- not just the obvious media crisis that the Conservative Party currently finds itself in, but also going forward in the future in terms of who, um, who is going to vote for the Conservative Party in the future. Um, and that's sort of why I wanted to have this discussion. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, before we, we trialled a new way of, way of operating. Yeah, new format. New format. I hope you like the new format because I think we're going to keep it. Yeah, I think so too. It's nice to get our sort of thoughts across at least on one you know, good little block and then we can kind of... Without interrupting. And then we can go back kind of know where we're coming from mm-hmm. and then sort of discuss that. Um, so I think, well, I, I've got the feeling that Albie is really raring to go on this topic and has got probably a little bit more to say than me. So I feel like I'm definitely going to be playing defence today. So, Absolutely. Well, I mean, first of all, this all comes from a place of love. We all, you know, <laughs> of, course, of course, we both want the same thing. We, we want the Conservatives to be in government. I just think we want different Conservative governments to be in government. But the point is, at the end of the day, um, that is important. It's important for government not to be in crisis uh, if the Conservatives are going to be in government. So that's what we're talking about in a very roundabout way. I don't know really why it took me so long to get to that. Sure, I mate. Right. So... The reasons why I think the Conservative Party are in crisis is just from talking to people who are our age, so we're both 23, and younger, speaking to my sister, who's just recently started at university, looking at the budget, which we've previously spoken about, looking at this year's election result, especially in the under-25s, looking at uh, statistics like 75% of young people voted Remain, in the referendum, and this is a Conservative government who is pretty hell-bent on uh, running a hard Brexit, or whatever that is, leaving the single markets, and customs union, for example. I think that going forward, the Conservative Party has a real crisis, because I think at the moment we're heading towards an electorate which won't be Conservative. Every young person, I, I can probably count the number of young people on my hand, who wouldn't be obviously conservative. So I'm not talking about the people who you could probably guess were conservative just by looking at them. The people who need to vote conservative in order for there to be a victory which is big enough for the government to actually make any real change, i.e. not what happened this June, more like what happened when Thatcher first won. The problem is, is that I just don't think there are going to be enough of them in the future. And I think that's for a number of reasons. The Conservative Party is in a real crisis, just looking at it. Theresa May is probably the weakest Prime Minister I can probably remember. I mean, I'm only 23. Looking at history books, she's probably one of the weakest Prime Ministers in history. Just looking at what she's actually able to do in Parliament, for example, uh, in Cabinet, rather, for example, with misbehaving ministers. I mean, people like Boris Johnson, people like Michael Gove, uh, Priti Patel, yes, she resigned. Other people who, who who sort of came up on this list of misbehaving MPs, she has absolutely no authority to sack them whatsoever. How Boris Johnson, for example, 
has been able to remain in 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 his position in his very very high position within the cabinet uh, under uh, prime, under Theresa May. I think crystallizes just how weak Theresa May is. She couldn't sack him after his Lebanon gaffe. She couldn't sack him after uh, after this whole um, debacle with. Iran, and um, she couldn't sack him after the Telegraph article. Really, three instances where I think a strong Prime Minister really would have had grounds to get rid of her Foreign Secretary, constantly being undermined. Again, Michael Gove, on the same Iran saga, really made a big cock-up there. You know, we have these two ministers who really have just made so many mistakes. I mean, even bringing Michael Gove back into government, I think, highlighted her weakness. Um, so that's a huge issue. She has really not much authority to do anything. Uh, I've already mentioned the youth vote. Um, and we've got a government which is hell-bent on Brexit, and we've accepted that, you know, we're leaving the European Union. How? That's still up for debate. But what what else can the government actually deliver? And we've got a party where it's very clear that probably everyone in the party doesn't want doesn't want Theresa May to be prime minister. But because of the position that we're in in a government, we can't actually get rid of her. And who the hell would replace her? So there's this real power vacuum at the top where it's very no, it's very well known amongst the Conservative membership and also uh, within the cabinet and within the entire uh, you know group of Conservative MPs that. In an ideal world, in a perfect world, Theresa May would not be our leader, but we're stuck with her. I think that's a crisis in itself. Brexit seems to just keep on getting worse and worse and probably will just continue to get worse. Um, I think the future is looking pretty bleak for the Conservative Party in this country. And it's a real concern that this is happening just as the most left-wing Labour government is really gaining traction because of our failings. And... I think it's something to talk about. Certainly, certainly is something to talk about. Um, so the, fir the first thing I really want to say is that it should not be forgotten that the Conservatives are the only one with a working majority. They have a uh, relationship with the DUP, and that gives them 325 seats. And Labour are the second closest with 55 fewer. And even if everybody else got together to try and form a government, they wouldn't be able to. So I think that's an important point of perspective. And the reason I highlight that is that currently in Germany Holland, and in Holland, there is no government at all. Germany have failed to form a coalition. Holland have failed to form a coalition. That's, Holland have recently broken a record for the longest amount of time that they haven't had a government. Um, in the United States, there's talk of, them, of, of that government being ineffective as well, at, at the very best. Um, so it's important to remember that not every country even has a government that's ruling at the moment. Um, so that's an important point of perspective. To address some of the things that you said, though, um, what the electorate will be in the future is hard to tell. But what I do know is that young people, as you highlighted, didn't feel like they turned out enough for the Brexit vote. They probably didn't really think it was going to go the way that they did. And so they turned out in record high numbers in the last general election. Now, I would be surprised if we see that trend continue, because I think that the young are a little bit fickle in this. They probably felt a bit guilty about that vote. They wanted to get out and sort of protest that in, in some shape or form, and they did. But whether they're going to retain that interest in you know five years' time in the next general election is, 
I think is hard to know. But the broader point that I want to make with the young is that in 10, 20 years' time, these people are not going to be young anymore and they're going to be making up the majority of the electorate. And my point is, is I'm not sure if there has been a a group of young people who have been, or or a young electorate who have been as, 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 as maltreated by the Conservative Party as this one. And my issue is that going on into the, is looking into the future, I don't, I just, I, I, I can't see, and looking at the budget as we previously discussed, any real appeals to this group of people that are, going to, that are going to make them think, do you know what, one day I'm going to vote Conservative. Okay, well I want to keep addressing some of the things you said. Absolutely. Um, so, first of all, the, the Prime Minister being weak, uh, I, don't, I don't disagree with that particularly. However, I think one point that you raised is an especially important one. I will come back to ministers misbehaving. But there is a real, real thing, problem here that no one else actually wants to be prime minister. So, Are I, you I, sure? I think there are lots of people that want to be prime not minister. Not in the Conservative Party currently. Well, not and publicly, so, maybe. Well, no, sure, sorry. I'm not saying that people don't have ambition to be prime minister, but no one wants to step into Theresa May, May's role right now. And I think exactly. that's because people, people appreciate appreciate that the government is in a, in a, in a difficult situation. It's in a it, crisis. In t- not in terms of the, the crisis that's been reported, but in terms of we're in a very significant negotiation for our future. The job right now has probably never been harder. And so the fact that someone is going to stay there and do it and is willing to do it and has a majority to form an executive where this can be done should not be understated. Now, what's Doesn't that election... the Brexit bill have a hundred amendments on it? Oh, man, I really want to Sorry. address things. Do, do, do go into it. Um, so that's an important thing. And I don't know uh, what a Labour government or a, you know, a Conservative government with different leadership would really be doing much differently at the moment. Ultimately, the concerns of people are generally the same in this moment and that we're a country with national interests. There's a, another set of countries with their own national interests and we have to negotiate a future relationship. And that's going to be difficult. Um, in terms of uh, ministers misbehaving, um, I think with Boris Johnson, what I think is important to remember is that Boris Johnson is the most popular member of the Conservative Party, and whether completely ousting him would actually be good for the party's popularity in upcoming elections, I don't think we can really tell for sure. In addition, I'd like to say that although the Iranian gaffe was a bad one, he was giving evidence over an extended period to a Foreign Affairs Select Committee, and he's since clarified his comments. We should not lose sight of the fact that it is the Iranian government not Boris Johnson, who is at fault here. And as regards his Telegraph article, he is the Foreign Secretary. He's no longer, you know, this guy in the, you know, in the back rows of the Conservative Party, he doesn't have all that much role. He's a significant man in British politics and in the Cabinet. He has a lot of power. He has every right to set forth what he believes to be the correct, you know, relationship with the country in the EU. And he's a man who, I think, appears to believe it. Now, you know... These people are not to be cowed. They're not employees. If they have an, you know, an opinion and they want to express, they think it's positive, I think that members of the government should be allowed to do that. Um, and I just want final thing, because I know that you, you obviously want to talk, Albie, but I do think it's important to appreciate the foreign context in other European countries. As I've said, Germany, they've got a failed coalition talks. There's under 30% support for any proposed coalition, and you've also had the rise of the AFD. We're talking about the rise of a far-right party in Germany, Surely that's more of a crisis. Spain, they could be in the, they could be suffering a war of independence right now, given what's happened in Catalan. Holland, as I said, has had no government in the lot, in, you know, close to a year now. 
and they have had a recent spat with Turkey. France is effectively a police state. The emergency measures introduced under Hollande are now the law of the land, and they've got a 54% on approval, unsatisfied rating. And Italy is about to potentially face another resignation of a prime minister. They have a huge debt that's 133% of GDP, a stagnant economy, banking issues, and they want to propose a replacement to the euro. These countries, I would argue, are in a far greater level of crisis. Okay, well, just to bring up your last point about looking at it in a European context, I think it's all well and good to look at it in a European context. And yes, judging by some of our European neighbours, it might seem like we're not in, in that much of a crisis at all. But what I actually want to judge this in is in a British context. And I don't think, I, in, in, in my lifetime, and I don't think in our parents' lifetime, there has been a period where one government in power has seen this much crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis happen. So I think it's all well and good to John talk Major, about... John Major, Gordon Brown. John Major and John Gordon Major, Brown. That, those were two crises that happened like 10 years apart. We're talking about his government. I'm talking about we're talking about the fall of his government. Are we looking at the fall Please, of his government? Please, it was looking at lots of stories. Well then, okay, well, building on that point, are we looking at the fall of this government then? Possibly. These are the, exactly, and this is what I really want to talk about. I want to talk about these crises and, and how this could really become a much bigger crisis for the Conservative Party than the ones that we have currently seen. You talk about you talk about the Conservative Party being the government with a working majority. It's got um, you know this this supply and whatever with supply and demand agreement with the DUP, which gives them a majority of three hundred twenty five. I think in the House of Commons. That's right. Okay, well, this this majority on these key on these key issues, like the Brexit bill, for example, is that really a working majority when there are a hundred amendments on the bill? It might not pass through Parliament on these on these very key bill on these in these very key bills that this working majority is meant to be for. It's not working. That's a crisis in itself. You keep pulling out this 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 um this this phrase. Boris Johnson is the most popular Tory MP. I just wonder where that's come from, because I've actually never heard that before. And I think the Telegraph article, and I think a lot of political commentators would agree that the Telegraph article that Boris Johnson wrote was completely unacceptable and completely undermined the Prime Minister. So it's all well and good to say the Foreign Secretary can say what, what he thinks about Brexit, but ultimately what all Cabinet Ministers should be doing is supporting the Prime Minister if that's really what they desire to do. Well, look, I don't, I don't believe that the government is, you know, it's not a dictatorship. You know, there are separate cabinet ministers who have separate roles. And, you know, there is an element of them not competing with each other, but there's a, there's a you know, a working relationship of debate and they can have different views. And I think that's very healthy. I don't, you know, I don't want the sort of new Labour style government where everyone's effectively an employee of, of Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. You know, it's, you don't want some ideological tunnel running your party now in terms of brexit you know there's obviously there's clearly members of the tory party who, who feel one way and other members who feel another way in that sense they reflect a lot of the country um and if you know if every now and then we see a little diverging of views i don't think that that's to be unexpected in terms of the bill and you know government's ability to deliver brexit Look, I, I think it's really too early to, to tell what's going to happen. You know, I, I have my own problems with the way the government um, handles the Brexit negotiations. The real question I have is, who do you think could do a better job? 
who are the people? Who are the individuals who are going to come in and deliver this in a better way? David Davis, you know, for all his faults, which I actually don't think are that many, he has an idea about, you know, what he wants. He seems to be a competent negotiator. He's had lots of interactions with Europe and he's had a position on, um, you know, what our relationship should be for a long time. He's in charge. He's got a lot of people working under him and I'm sure he's trying to pull towards a sensible solution to the Brexit negotiation. You know, if Jeremy Corbyn's in power, who's that going to be? If it's, you know, if someone, who else would do that job? I suppose that's where I struggle to see what the, you know, what the other gov, what, what this other government that wasn't in, not in crisis would be doing. Well, they well, at first of all, they wouldn't be in crisis, so they would be able to deliver whatever it is they were trying to deliver a hell of a, a hell of a lot better. If half the cabinet wasn't trying to undermine the leader, and the other and the other half wasn't really supporting the leader, not to mention the backbenchers who were all divided over whether or not they support the leader, and this is also all within the sphere of the fact that none of them actually want to think that she's the best person to be the Prime Minister. They're just, that it's sort of the best of a very, very bad situation to have Theresa May leading Brexit no no uh, negotiations and leading the country. It's just like, well, no one else wants to do it because it's going to be too hard. But I just want to come back to my earlier point, which is, in an ideal world, who do you really, in an ideal world, is it you, do you want Theresa May to be the leader of the Conservative Party? In an ideal world, after everything that's happened, do you think that she's the best person to do that party? Because I will say I don't think she is. Well, I think that really the most important person in the country right now is the person who is in control of the Brexit negotiations and our future trading relationships with other countries. Those positions are the most important. The Prime Minister, in many respects, is almost a figurehead currently because we all know that negotiation with the European Union is the most important thing affecting us right now. Um, if you know we weren't going through these negotiations, would I maybe want someone else? Yes, but we are going through the negotiations. You effectively want almost someone more like a figurehead, someone who perhaps is not loved but is also not you know hated. And I think Theresa May fills that function. But the issue is, is that with with a prime minister who is so weak, I think. I, I actually believe that this makes our hand at the negotiating table weaker. We see a party in crisis and a party divided. It's mu much easier for our negotiators on the other side, for example, to, you know, I don't know, phone up Anna Subri and say, oh, do you know, do you want to make things a little bit more difficult for the government? I'm sure Anna Subri would be more, more than happy to do that. The Prime Minister has absolutely no ability to create a unified party behind her, which I think we really need going into this Brexit process. And that was crystallised in the general election result. There is absolutely no unification behind Theresa May, which is what she sought, which is what she sought to get when she called the snap election back in June. And what we have now is a weak leader, a weak government, and that plays into the hands of the European Union. So we talk about Brexit and the person who is steering Brexit about being, you know, being the most important person in the country. I don't disagree with you. But the point is, with such a weak and divided government behind this, this leader of Brexit and our figurehead prime minister, it's not doing us any favours in negotiations. And I don't think it's going to make our deal any better. In fact, I think it'll make it worse. But we have, you know, you can have a, a not great situation or a bad situation, and then there's a crisis. I think a crisis would be a situation where, you know, we don't, you know, the Tory party doesn't have a working majority. 
or you know perhaps the Labour Party are in power and you know suddenly they've got to figure out what their position on on Brexit is and you know in many respects they might have a harder go of it you know as it is for the Tories although um, you know many Tory ministers didn't want to go for Brexit sorry for Brexit their party is associated with leaving the Europe you know wanting to leave the European Union whereas the in the Labour Party pretty much seemingly all the ministers don't want us to leave and all the working class Labour voters do want them to leave. So I don't know what that government would look like or what they would be negotiating for. Um, and so I suppose in that sense, I don't think we're in crisis. And again, you know, to go back to the European context, you know, they're negotiating from a position of being the European Union. But when we you know, look behind that and look at what all these countries are, you know, they're, they're in very serious crisis themselves. I mean, you know, the European Central Bank has been on you know, 0% interest rates for, for, for ages now. You've got one block of countries, you know, sort of Hungary and, and sort of more Eastern Europe, who are completely against a lot of the ideals of the European project. And meanwhile, you have all the major, all the major economies apart from France in Europe can't form a government. I mean, it's, you know, it's laughable the situation they're in. It's not one I would want. You know, if, if we were in that kind of situation where we couldn't form a government, that would be a crisis. But we can form a government, so we can't be in a crisis. But and yet we are in a crisis. Well, the you know reporters say that. L- like I said, I don't think I think it's very difficult to compare our current Conservative Party crisis to the equivalent crisis in Germany because we have completely different parliamentary systems. Uh, one of which ensures sort of more stable governments, which is why I'm calling what's happening in the UK a crisis, and one of which causes less stable governments, like in Germany. This, this, this crisis, I say in inverted commas, which is happening in Germany, happens after almost every election. Whereas in this country, apart from, in, apart, apart from on a few instances over a very short period of time, um, back in the late noughties and, early and late 90s with John Major and Gordon Brown, this kind of thing doesn't happen in the UK. We are famed for our stable governments, and yet that's not, that's not what's being seen with this government, the Conservative Party, which is arguably the more stable of our two major parliamentary parties. Well, I think it's hard to know who, which party is necessarily more stable. And also, I don't think you really see the test of a party until it's in power. Um, in terms of the coalition, in terms of, in terms of getting a majority, while I accept that traditionally we've had majorities in this country, I do think that the trend since sort of the... You know, the you know, since sort of after '97, um, the successive Blair governments were sort of working with smaller and smaller majorities, and then David Cameron got a coalition, and then got a major- then got a sort of slim majority. And now we're back in the coalition again. I do think the trend has been towards smaller majorities. So, and, and I'm not really sure, you know, but you know, I know that you have your um, ideas about what the Tory Party could have done different in the last election campaign to be more successful. Um, I think they shouldn't have called the election. I think they actually had to do it because there was um, allegations of them overspending in the last election, so they wanted to just redo it, and they thought they'd, you know, they'd get a slam dunk. But I mean, who, you know, what could they really have done that differently? Maybe a few policies here and there. Would that have translated to a to a really big majority? I'm not sure. And the situation is what the situation is. You had a lot of young people who really wanted to get out and vote against the Conservatives. Because they were guilt, they felt probably felt a lot of the time guilty that they hadn't voted uh, enough in the uh, Brexit vote, and you had a a real shock to the system. But still a government. 
But when the election, when the snap election was first called, there were predictions of a Thatcher-style majority. And I believe with a good campaign, that could have happened. I, I, I don't agree with this notion that you know, we're never going to see these sort of Thatcher-Blair um, um, majorities again. Most, if, if we go back to May when the snap election was called, most political commentators, most media outlets, that's what everyone thought was going to happen. That's because right. Can I finish? Because, because Jeremy Corbyn was and still is such a weak leader. But since then, successive crises, which began with the terrible campaign which Theresa May ran, Successive Tory party crises have got us down to from a working from an actual working majority, which David Cameron won us in 2015, to predictions of a Thatcher Blair style majority when the snap election was called, to a position where we can't even pass a Brexit bill. But are That's you, shocking? But are you saying that the, the the you know the press you know predicted it right, and all the Tory government had to do, all the Tory party had to do in their campaign was run it you know you know better? And they ran it so awfully. Or are you saying that the press over, you know, they overpredicted what would happen? No, I'm not. Really, I'm not actually saying the press overpredicted what would happen. I actually spoke, you know, speaking to people. Obviously, I didn't speak to everyone in the country, but I spoke to even Labour voters who said when the snap election was called that they wouldn't be voting for Jeremy Corbyn. But then Theresa May did so badly that they did, and a lot of Conservative Party voters as well. And that's also an important thing. If we look at a lot of these, if we, if we look at a lot of the, the richest parts of this country, the richest constituencies in the southeast and along the M4 corridor, Sky did this fantastic report where it showed how, whereas maybe some of them were still um, held by the Conservatives, the swing to Labour was massive and Kensington was lost. I mean... It, I, I can't. I can't see. That's incontestable. Okay, but how? But if, if, if I that, think the campaign was... was run so badly that we lost what could have been the biggest majority since 1997. But I, I just suppose I don't believe that you know them them running a, a particular you know not the greatest campaign can really have resulted in that much change. I think it was you know it was probably a more a more natural process. And I don't. So what I what I know what I think is that you know reporters completely misreported what the country was feeling. Um, and you know Theresa May, she could have probably run a better campaign. But if you know, like, like the result, you know, the result is kind of you know points to the fact that it didn't really matter what was being said in the press. That was there was always going to be a swing. I mean, I don't think that there was that much influence. I mean, you know, I, I don't think that there was someone who was sitting going, "I'm going to vote Conservative," and then saw like the campaign wasn't going to be run so well. And thought, I'm actually going to vote, vote Labour now. People would have wanted to vote Labour beforehand. I think, you know, a lot of the time. But I suppose that's that's a difference of opinion on why people vote the way they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I, I, you know, when, when I saw the beginning of the campaign, I read a very good report early on that said people are overestimating Theresa May and underestimating Theresa, uh, Jeremy Corbyn to a ridiculous amount. And so anything that... And so she can only go down, he can only go up. And there, there will have to be some kind of swing in that direction. In which case... Um, Oh, sorry, I'm sort of losing my train of thought a little bit. But basically, my point is that, you know, while the Conservative Party did not win as much as they thought they would do, they still won the election. And But it was reported like they'd lost. And ultimately, Jeremy Corbyn did not, is nowhere near a majority right now. And who knows whether he will be in the future in, in five years' time? I, I don't know. And I, and I, I don't want to, 
you know, I don't want to start saying in the same way that the press were really over eager that Tories going to get a majority that you know Labour are going to sweep into power at the next election. I just don't know. I think I think looking at opinion polls, for example, when the snap election was called. So I'm just trying to find them on my phone, but. From what I can remember, looking at opinion polls, when the snap election was called, Theresa May was a lot higher than Jeremy Corbyn. And by the time this, by the time the general election happened, they were almost on a par with each other because of the crisis because of the crises that had occurred. And now, in the opinion polls, I mean, it's still quite a similar story. But if the government delivers an exit from the European Union that people generally consider to be quite good. That basically changes everything. And that and we are talking about, okay, so there isn't going to be an election for another five years or a bit less than five years. So, you know, whether, how that election is going to be is going to be completely dependent on how this government performs over the next five years. And I don't think that, you know, a minister resigning and someone else writing a, an article are really going to be the thing that the electorate judge the government on. I think they're going to judge the government, you know, as we've been discussing, about, you know, on how they you know, deliver this crucial negotiation, which I think everyone appreciates is the most important thing right now. But what I would say to that negotiation um, is, and Brexit is very important and it is going to define the government, but if anything, whatever government is in power, and I think one of the reasons why no one else wants to step up for the job is that really I'm not sure if, if a successful Brexit is going to boost any party or anyone in government at all. Because really, fundamentally, apart from the people who maybe like you, who are more like classically Brexit-minded, I would say, who just disagree with, um, you know, the idea of a of a of a, of a foreign authority being over a sovereign state, and um, you know, are in, in that respect, you're very much sort of like a Brexit classicist. I don't think most of the people that voted for Brexit are that way inclined. I think most of the people who voted for Brexit voted for Brexit because they wanted a better life for themselves and a better life for their children. Whether or not a successful exit from the European Union can deliver that is up for debate. And I think, I, I think that brings me to the point, which is what people wanted from Brexit was more money for the NHS, you know, a better chance for their children to get into a good school, a better chance, you know, higher wages, for example, in lower skilled jobs. And if if this government is hell-bent on delivering Brexit and is unable to deliver in these other areas, which were actually the issues, not the European Union, whatever happens with a successful exit from the European Union is not going to matter because the people aren't going to see a material, a positive material change in their lives. They might even see a medical one, a medical one, a negative one, which will mean that it's just a downward spiral from here. And that's what my concern is, is that Brexit is just going to carry on getting worse and worse and worse. Our economic growth has already been slashed. It's not going to be anywhere near 2% by the time that this government is over. It just looks like it's going to get worse. Well, economic growth in France is zero, for example. But going well, back We're going, to going from 2% to one5 Well, it's, it's not zero, is it? It doesn't matter. It's gone down by half a percent. But anyway, you know, I think that... Well, anyway, that aside... I don't understand how it is that it's been reported that you have a referendum where the question is, do you want us to leave the European Union? And then what gets read into that is that, oh, everyone who voted for that wanted better social services. Well, no, I don't accept that. I think the reason people voted, yes, I want to leave the European Union, is because they wanted to leave the European Union. 
So I'm not going to read in any more to it than that. And in that sense, this government's whole mandate becomes, are we leaving the European Union and are we doing it successfully? And as such, whether they are or not in crisis is wholly dependent on their ability to do that. Now, I personally think they might have made a few missteps in this area. But as I said, it's a very difficult thing to do. It's not a job I would wish on my worst enemies, you know, trying to, you know, trying to get an understanding, you know, trying to properly address all the concerns everyone has and what everyone wants out of the negotiation is an impossible job. However, when it's all said and done in you know a couple of years' time, and if we deliver something halfway decent, considering we're coming from a point where you know people such as yourself, many people in the country think Theresa May is useless, as long as she doesn't do a terrible job, I think she could easily be re-elected. I find it shocking that you think that every single person that voted leave in the referendum voted purely because they wanted to leave the European Union. And there, the were, and there were no other nuances in it at all. Even for you, Mikey, there were more nuances. But what's the question? The fa- I'm sorry. I completely, <laughs> I just completely reject that notion entirely. Even you had other reasons than just a, a, a hatred for the European Union. I don't hate the European leave, Union. For, 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 for voting to leave. There are so many nuances to the reasons that every single individual, seeing as we are Conservatives, voted to leave the European Union. It's not simply because, you know, they wanted to leave. There were reasons what, why. And, gen- why not? and generally speaking, in psychological terms, people do things and choose to go down roads which they think are going to be better. So, okay, so let, let's let's pretend that people voted to leave the European Union just because they wanted to leave. They voted primarily. Hold on. <laughs> if that's the case, they would have thought that it was going to be better for them in the future if when we leave. Right. Yeah. So if it's not better for them in the future, which is what my argument is, is that and it. And initially, it probably won't be, is that things are going to keep on spiralling in a downwards direction and Labour are going to be in government in 2022. Well, on that note, I think it's been a very fruitful debate. Uh, We obviously have a divergent opinions as always, but I would be fascinated to see if we keep doing the pod and what the situation is going to be next time the election comes around absolutely and well we'll be on we'll be on daily politics by then mikey oh gosh i would never absolutely i would never take away the the hard-earned taxpayer money by appearing (laughs) on the bbc strictly itv well you could do it for charity i could do it for charity i suppose okay well we'll see you next time thanks for listening